In this continuing part of the series on timeless principles for the workplace, we cover two additional aspects, profitability and corporate finances and strategic partnerships. Let's stand up to our feet now and make our declaration this morning before we get into God's word. If you brought your Bible, just hold it high up in the air. Let's say this loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing. To many people, I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning, uh, we're going to cover two chapters. Uh, Chapter 11. And chapter 12 in this series on timeless principles for the workplace. And uh, I just want to repeat two, two very important things that we've been repeating every Sunday uh, for the benefit of those who might have joined us uh, in the middle of the series that we're talking about. The first thing just to remind us is that although the workplace of Bible times differs from the workplace of today, the principles that God gave to His people during Bible times are still very relevant to us today. Because truth does not change. Truth has no expiration date. Amen? And that's why we call them timeless principles. All of the workplace context is different. In those days, in Bible times, they worked on the fields, they took care of cattle and livestock and some of them worked in palaces and fought battles. That was the workplace context of the Bible. The workplace of today is different. Uh, We work in corporate offices, large organizations, multinational companies. We travel here and there, use the internet and all kinds of things, which is totally foreign to Bible times. Yet whatever God spoke to his people back then still applies to us today. Those principles have not changed. So that's why when we go to the scripture and, 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 and just bring out all of these principles and we just, we understand them and then say, this is how I'm going to live uh, in, in our times. The second important truth I've been emphasizing all along in this series is that we walk in the principles of God so that we can dwell in the presence of God and experience the power of God. The principles, presence and power, they're all connected. So I cannot say I want the presence of God, but I'll just live any which way I want to. No. I have to live by the principles of God. I have to follow His word and follow the instruction of His word. Like the, Bible, the, the psalmist says, who can ascend into the hill of the Lord and who can dwell in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So I need to live by the principles of God in order to dwell in the presence of God and experience the power of God at work in my life. And I just wanted to remind us about that. This morning, we'll cover chapter 11 and then chapter 12. Chapter 11 talks, um, uh, deals with the area of finance or profitability. And we all understand that every business has to make money. You need money uh, to run the business. You need money to survive. You need money to expand. And, And so money is involved. And for many of us, Believers, we think money is a bad thing. But we need probably to change our understanding of money, finance, profitability, wealth creation. out, And and look at it from a biblical perspective and get our heart right. Get our heart in the right place as we um, uh, go about handling money. So what does the scriptures teach us when it comes to profitability and finance? Especially when you're talking about for-profit organizations. I'm on page 144. Here are... Four simple things and yet four important things that I want to bring to our attention. The first one is this, that 
God leads us into profitability. That God helps us become profitable. Whether you are an individual seeking to be successful or whether you're leading an organization, you're responsible working in an organization, keep this truth in your heart that God is there to help you be profitable. Isaiah 48 verse 17, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. God says, I am the one who teaches you to profit. I'm here to help you profit. I'm here to show you how you can increase, how, how you can ascend, how you can make things better. Now in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 28, when God was speaking to his people, uh, the, the verses we've quoted there, uh, verse 8 and verses 11 to 13, speaking in their context, here's what God promises them. He says, the Lord your God will bless your work. He will fill your barns with grain. He will bless you in the land that he's giving you. Uh, he will give you many children, many cattle and abundant crops in the land that he promised you. He will send rain in season. He will bless all the work of your hand. He will bless you in such a manner that you will lend to many nations and not borrow. Now, of course, it's in their context. And he's saying, look, I'm going to bless your land. I'm going to bless what you're doing. So essentially, he's going to bless you in your workplace and what you do. Can God do the same things today? Yes or no? Yes. So it is God who leads us and teaches us, leads us into profitability. God empowers us. Uh, so therefore, what I want to, want to impress on our hearts is having goals to be profitable is essential, is important. And as a believer, you don't have to feel guilty about that. And look, I'm trying to be really profitable. Hey, God promised he will lead you to be profitable. God empowers us to make wealth. Uh, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. Of course, God is speaking to his people in Bible times. That truth is relevant to us today. He says, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant. That he swore to your fathers. In the old covenant, he says, God empowers you to make wealth. We are part of a new covenant. And the Bible says the new covenant is much better than the old. So how much more would this blessing be a part? Of our covenant with God. The power to make wealth. The ability for wealth creation. Is God given. Amen. Many of us believers. We feel guilty about that. You know. Okay. You know. I, I'm a believer. Don't talk about money. You know. I'm very spiritual. But God. Gives us. The power to make so in your business, and whatever you're doing, you say, you look to God. Now, of course, all of this has to be kept in proper context. Prosperity and wealth is not our focus. Because we live in this world, and for practical reasons, we have to engage in business. And when you engage in business, you have to do it in, for it to be profitable. You have to do it to create wealth. And God is there to empower us to do that. But the Lord Jesus is always the center of our focus. Amen? So, you know, sometimes you, you li you're listening to me and you're saying, okay, pastor's preaching the prosperity gospel and all that. Now, sometimes I get those emails. Uh, but I want you to understand that we know very clearly where our heart is. Our heart is set on Jesus Christ. Amen? We know we have to seek first his kingdom. There's no question about that. But he did, the word still continues, and all these things will be added to you. So don't leave up the second part of the verse. Amen? So the problem with the prosperity message that, of course, came out in the 70s and so on was that they made many mistakes. One of that was wealth, success itself became the focus. And secondly, they equated that to an expression of your spirituality, which was very wrong. Because the Bible does say that there are, there are people who are poor in the world, but rich in faith, in James chapter 2. So these are some mistakes in, in, in the prosperity gospel, but don't throw out the fact that it is God who gives us the ability to make wealth. He's still the same God. So this whole motivation for wealth creation, when it is consecrated to God and kept in its right place, is a godly drive. It's a godly motivation. Success 
is a blessing from God. This is page 145. Psalm 35 verse 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. God is pleased in seeing His people prosper. Nowhere did He say, you know, guys, it's okay, you just barely make it by because when you get to heaven, I'll give you streets paved with gold. He doesn't, he doesn't speak like that. God is pleased in the prosperity of His people. He's pleased to see you prosper in life. And, and so He empowers you and me to experience that. So on page 146, believe God for profitability and increase. So for your personal life, believe God. Saying, God, uh, help me to increase professionally. Help me to increase uh, in my income. And help me to increase. There's nothing wrong in praying like that. How many of you have prayed like that? God bless me. All of us, right? Oh, I think all of us have prayed that way. God bless me. I want to see increase. Uh, I want to see growth. So for your professional life, you pray that way. And for your organization, the company that you may be leading, building, pray that way. Believe God for profitability and increase. Take, for example, Isaac. I, Genesis 26, 12 and 13 says, Isaac sowed crops in that land. And that year he harvested a hundred times as much as he had sown. Why? Because the Lord... Blessed him. Because the Lord blessed him. He continued to prosper and became a very rich man. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. So, in your own life, God is no respecter of persons. If he did that for Isaac, he will do it for you. Isaac's context, he was a farmer. Your context, you may be a developer. You may be some other professional. Believe God, saying, God, I'm putting in, I'm sowing in to my work. I'm doing my job. I'm doing my work here. I'm, I'm, I'm believing you for blessing in my life to grow professionally, to see increase uh, professionally, financially, and in every way because I want to serve you. I want to serve, ultimately, I want to serve the purposes of God's kingdom. So these four points deal with that aspect of, 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 of the motivation, of the desire part of of profitability of wealth creation that as long as our heart is kept consecrated God understand that these things are godly and God backs us up as we pursue success profitability and prosperity now let's turn to other things that we see in scripture in relation to finances offer your service or product at a fair price Proverbs chapter 11 verse 26 the Bible says here people curse someone who holds grain waiting for a higher price but they praise the one who puts it up for sale. Now, what's the context? What people used to do in those days, especially those who had lands and who produced crop, they would store their grain and either wait for a time of famine when the supply was short, the demand was great, or they would artificially create it so that they could take advantage of the needs of people. And at that time, they sold grain at a much higher price. And people had no choice but to buy it at whatever price they dictated. Or they would even sell bad grain at a higher price. You look at another passage in Amos, uh, on page 147. We have another passage in Amos chapter 8, verses 4 through 7. And God says, listen to this, that you that trample on the needy and try to destroy the poor of the country... You say to yourselves, we can hardly wait for the holy days to be over so that we can sell our grain. When will the Sabbath end so that we can start selling again? I mean, they're itching to do business. Then we can overcharge, use false measures, and fix the scales to cheat our customers. We can sell worthless wheat at a high price. We'll find someone who, can pay, who can't pay his debts, not even the price of a pair of sandals, and we'll buy him as a slave. The Lord, the God of Israel has sworn, I will never forget their evil. In other words, these people were trying to exploit the needs, the needy situation. And so, what do we learn here? In our context, you and I may not be selling grain and doing those kinds of things. But the point is this. Offer your service and a product at a fair price where you do not exploit the situations of your customers. Are you with me so far? Right? We don't try to uh, put them at a disadvantage and then take an undue benefits out of their position. Don't cheat on product or pricing. 
page 140 is in the bottom of page 147. Deuteronomy 25 verse 16. Dishonest weights and measures are an abomination to God, your God. All this corruption in business deals. Page 148. Leviticus 19, 35 and 36. Do not cheat anyone by using false measures of length, weight or quantity. Use honest scales, honest weights and honest measures. I am the Lord your God and I brought you out of Egypt. We'll also read Proverbs 20 verse 10, the next passage there. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So what, what's the context? Again, what people used to do in those days was they had diverse weights. So take for example, I mean, we don't see too much of this these days, but maybe 10 years ago uh, when you went to the market to buy vegetables or something, they would have the scales and they'll put one kg and they measure it out for you. Maybe in some places they still do that. Now, what they had was they had two one kg weights. They both looked like one kg, but one was heavier, the other was lighter. So, when he wanted to sell something, he would use the lighter one kg, so he sold less. When he wanted to buy something, he would use the heavier one, so he got more. So these were diverse weights. Now the person interacting in the transaction didn't know what was happening. But they were actually cheating in their transaction. So God says, look, I am noticing that. You've got diverse weights. You've got dishonest scales. You've got different measures in your transactions. And God says, this is an abomination. Something I hate, I detest. So what's the lesson for you and me? We must be fair in the pricing of our products and our, and our services. We don't cheat on our product on our, in our buying and selling in our transactions. Are you with me so far? That brings us to the next truth here, which is similar. Refuse to gain wealth through dishonest means. And there are several scriptures on this. We'll just read some of them. Proverbs 11 verse 1. God hates cheating in the marketplace. He loves it when business is above board. Proverbs 10 verse 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. But righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 13.11 Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. And there are several scriptures where God is basically telling us when you are working, when you're doing your business, be honest. Gain wealth honestly. Refuse to use dishonest methods to gain wealth. Amen? Now, there can be just numerous examples in, in our work life, you know, uh, of, of dishonest ways, unethical ways, and illegal ways that people make money. And God is calling you and me saying, you don't be like that. You walk honestly. Page 149. This brings us to another aspect of transactions. Here, and, and we, we, God is very clear instructing his people to say no to bribery, money laundering, and other related forms of corruption. Let's look at some verses. Proverbs 15, verse 27. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. Exodus 23, verse 8. Do not accept the bribe, for a bribe makes people blind to what is right and ruins the cause of those who are innocent. Proverbs 17, verse 23. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. Now there are different kinds of things. Bribery, kickbacks, money laundering, just mention a few of them. But what essentially is this? Bribery is... If I attempt to give some money or something else, it could be in kind, or some favor that I attempt to do in order to get an undue advantage in the whole process of dealing, in business dealings, then that is bribery. So I offer some money and I say, example, if you're, if you're you know, dealing with contracts, 
and, and, and companies offered uh, is accepting you know proposals uh, and you engage saying look uh, uh, you deal with a person who's signing off on the proposal you, you you give him money saying you know you approve mine you select mine and it gives you an undue advantage you are bribing you're dealing you're engaging in corruption you're bribing that means you're giving some sort of money or it could be cash or kind or other favor in getting a business dealing put in your favor which is not done fairly for others involved now we differentiate that from you know what organizations would normally do uh, in terms of uh, uh, entertaining or entertaining their vendors partners customers or uh, in giving discounts and so on that's something they do across the board you treat all vendors that way or you treat all customers that way or you you know even you give a discount you're giving it across uh, to everybody and making it available so that that itself is that's not a bribe but when you're doing something that is uh, is is getting favor uh, uh, and putting putting yourself in, in an advantageous position by influencing a person's decision that's bribery and kickback comes in that but many of, most of us understand how kickbacks work and all that you know you're not going to get into those kinds of things so god himself is there telling us very clearly that as believers as his people this is something we do not engage in amen yes amen That's not the way we transact. That's not the way we engage in business. Because why? It says it corrupts judgment. Right? The person is not able to judge fairly. He's not, able, he's not making a right decision. He's being influenced by what's being offered to him. So in your organizations, uh, in areas of your responsibility, you have a clear principle. We do not engage in giving bribes. We do not engage in receiving bribes in the way we do our business. Now, I understand that it can be very difficult uh, in several organizations, especially you're, if you're in the sales side of things or in the procurement. A, a lot of these things do happen. And, and you're, you're caught in, those, in the middle of those things. But that's where I encourage you uh, and all of us to stand by God's word. And God says, if you honor me, I will honor you. I know it's not going to be easy, but you stand by it. Amen? But then... Aside from bribery, you and I face another kind of situation which is extortion and exploitation. That, that's on page 152. You may not be able to control extortion or exploitation by others. Proverbs 28 verse 8. Get as rich as you want through cheating and extortion. But eventually some friend of the poor is going to give it all back to them. Now you and I will face this at different times. What, in what, what is extortion? Let's say, and, and many times we, we encounter this when we have to deal with the government you know, let's say, and, and this is just a simple example, situations may not be as simple as this uh, in real life. Uh, let's say you're going to the government office, you need to file a set of papers. And, and you need to pay a fee to file that. And say, let's say it's, uh, it's 500 rupees, uh, and you need to make that application. All your papers are clean, they are intact, and you're ready to pay 500 rupees. But the official sitting there says, you have to pay me 700 because 200 is for him. Now, that's not bribery. That's extortion. He is there ex- misusing his position to extract money from you unlawfully. Now, if your papers are not right, and you go to him and say, you know, look, the fee is 500, but I'm willing to give you 700 just past my papers. That is bribery. Are you with me so far? But if he is demanding money to do what he's supposed to be doing, taking advantage of his position, he is, ex- do it, he is engaging in extortion. Now you see that in the Bible. In, in, in Luke chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, um, John the Baptist is speaking here. It says, uh, some tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, Teacher, what are we to do? Don't collect more than what is legal. They were doing that even those days. Some soldiers also asked him, what about us? What are we to do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely. Be content with what? With your pay. So even in those days, tax collectors, soldiers, 
They extorted, they took money that was, they should not legally have taken. They took it by force from people. And you have that same thing happening in, in, in several situations where people by force take money. You, your hands are clean. You are willing to pay whatever fees you need to pay. But they are asking for more than what is legal to get the same work done. That's extortion. So how do you counteract that? Well, that's why you have to handle it tactfully. There are some options. Of course, you can fight it. Go up to somebody higher than that person. Or higher up than this person who is higher up. But here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8. Don't be surprised when you see that the government oppresses the poor and denies them justice and their rights. Every official is protected by someone higher and both are protected by still higher officials. So in other words, man, everybody's corrupt. Right? So if this guy is asking 200, if you go higher up, that guy is going to ask you 500. And you go higher up, he's going to ask you 500. So that's, you know, that's injustice. That's extortion. That's corruption all the way up. So one option is to fight it. Another option is to circumvent it. Try to uh, go to another office and pay or deal with somebody who is willing to deal correctly. Or if you are compelled to give it, give that extra 200 rupees. I want you to understand that you don't need to feel guilty about it because your hands are clean. You may not agree with what I'm saying, but think about it. Because it's not you who is wanting to corrupt the system. You are there to do what's right, but he's forcibly taking extra money from you. That's extortion. You're there just to get your job done. And if you're forced to give it, you don't have to be guilty about it because your hands are clean. Now think of another situation, which is a common situation, a traffic violation. You get caught running the red light somewhere. Now there are two ways, two things you can do. The police might offer you usually. He might say, you give me 100 rupees, I'll let you go. Or you pay the fine, which is 300 rupees. And you will get a receipt. What should we do? Pay 300 and get the receipt. In that situation, you don't give your 100 and get going. Right? You demand. You say, I am willing to pay the fine. And I want the receipt. I'm doing what's right. I'm not trying to, you know, take an easy way here. I want to do what's right. Okay? So, God calls us to keep our hands clean. Do what is right. Whether it's paying, and that brings us, um, uh, whether it's, 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 you know, um, in all your business, business transactions, don't engage in bribery. Uh, you keep your hands clean when you're filing your papers or doing, uh, engaging in transactions. You do what's right. If that person forcibly takes money from you, you're not guilty for it because you've done your things correctly. If you want to discuss further, you've got my email. <laughs> Page 153. Don't be an accomplice in business crime. Proverbs 29 verse 24. Whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth but reveals nothing. So if you're a partner with a thief, God is saying, look, you're just destroying your own self. You hate your own life. You And a, a partner with a thief behaves like this. He says, yeah, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything, but he doesn't reveal any secret. So even if you're hiding secrets, covering up for somebody else, you're partnering with a thief. You're, you're an accomplice to that crime. And if you're an accomplice to that crime, you're going to destroy your own life. So be careful. Uh, when you're engaging in business, when you have people that you're working with, um, especially in business, many things are done through other vendors. For example, as a church, we don't file our taxes directly. We have an accounting firm providing that service for us. We let them you know, handle the whole thing and then take care of the filing of the tax taxes and the uh, 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 all the papers and so on. And most businesses operate that way. They don't go and, you know, do it themselves directly. They engage several different vendors, uh, other um, uh, entities that provide various kinds of services. Now, while you're doing that, it's so important to make sure that the people provide you, providing you the service are also doing it right. It's so important to do that. Now, I, uh, and to the extent that you can ensure that things are being right, done right, and if something is being done wrong, you have a choice. You can come out of it 
But don't be an accomplice to their wrongdoing. Don't cover up things. Are you with me? So we make mention here on page 154 on a couple of things that like third party bribery and corruption and insider trading, which is just different couple of scenarios that where uh, you have uh, uh, you know, business crime, but you could eventually be an accomplice in that. Page 155, make every attempt to repay debt. Psalm 37 verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. So typically many organizations, whether you're starting out or whether you're expanding, you know, organization will take a bank loan to, to do some of those things or loans from other sources. Uh, make every effort to repay your debts. Uh, do not, you know, don't hold money back that, that you legally owe or normally owe to other people. Pay taxes and statutory dues. Uh, that's instructed for us in scripture, whether you're an individual or an organization. Uh, we must be submitted um, to authorities, uh, uh, the government authorities, pay our taxes, pay them on time, pay what's due. Uh, sometimes it's embarrassing that even Christian organizations don't file uh, their papers, don't you know, pay what is due. And, and then you know, it brings a bad name not only to the organization, but to the Christian community as a whole. So uh, let's make sure that we don't... Um, uh, well, let's make sure we do that right. Lastly, on this whole su- subject of finances, page 156, God still does financial miracles. Believe Him to do so. Amen? Guys, you don't seem excited today. <laughs> Jeremiah 32, verse 27. Bible says here, I am the Lord, the God of all people. Nothing is too difficult for... Nothing is difficult for me. God is the God who still works financial miracles. Amen? I've shared this story with you many times. So those of you who heard it several times, I'll pretend I'm saying it for the first time. Uh, I remember this was uh, back in 2008, 2000, or somewhere around that time. Uh, the company I was running was in a very, very difficult stage financially. And I, it was January, I think, of 2009 or 2010. I forget the exact year. I could go back and check. But I think it was 2009, January 2009. And I had no money to pay the staff. Uh, we had, at that time, maybe 15 to 20 employees working in our company. And I had no money. And, uh, you know, there is so much of stress when you're in that kind of a situation. Because, you know, end of the month is coming. And you, you committed to making sure you pay your employees on time. You're doing your best. But here is the fact of the matter. There is no money. How are you going to pay? And I remember that, oh, I think it was, you know, Sunday morning. I finished the service here. Everybody thought I was happy. But nobody knew, you know, what I was going through. Monday morning, I was driving to work. I was from Jakura. I was up on Hebal flyover. So that's pretty closer to God. <laughs> And that's when I heard a word from God. So take flyovers, right? <laughs> no, just joking. But I was on Heba flyover coming into Artinaga where the office was. And this word just came into my heart. God who put the coin in the mouth of a fish can put money into your bank account. Now, if I process that in my mind, I would say, that's crazy. What are you talking about? Money in fish is okay, but how can money come in a bank account? (laughs) It has to go through legal channels, right? But at that moment, I just gripped that word. And I I made that declaration. I said, I serve the God who put money in the mouth of a fish. And the God who put money in the mouth of a fish will put money into my bank account. And I declared that. That's based on Matthew 17. I go to the office that morning, Monday, checking my emails, and I get an email from a company that we had worked. The last time we had actually worked and done a project for them was two years before. Okay, so it's been two years since we actually worked uh, on a project. But that particular project, uh, we had actually recruited about 21 people for that work, and it didn't take off. We, it was canceled. And so we lost a lot of money on that work. And so this here was this email two years later. And he said, 
Remember that project that we were supposed to do, but we didn't go on? How much money did you lose on that project? Now, nobody does that normally. <laughs> but it happened that day. So I said, okay, I'll calculate and I'll come back to you. And I went and did my calculation. I said, you know, in my estimate at this time, I think we, we could have made $80,000 just in that phase of work. Uh, that's how much we lost. And now, because globally things are difficult for everyone, even if you can pay $40,000, i will be happy. And I sent that email back with my calculations. By the end of that week, there was $40,000 in our bank account. From a customer who did not have to do that. You can clap if you want, you know. (laughs) And and to me, at that moment, it was only a miracle of God. There's just no other way to explain that whole thing. It was a miracle of God. Amen? And like this, there are just numerous stories that, that I've been able to walk through uh, in, that, in that 14 years of running that business uh, and just seeing God do amazing things. Lata is sitting here. She worked for us, I think, for more than 10 years uh, there are a couple of people here who worked actually with me uh, for many, many years and stayed with the company for 10 plus years. And, and, and they have seen, they have seen what God has done in that whole journey. Amen? So God still works financial miracles. Small miracles, big miracles. It's nothing to God. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. There are several examples of this in the Bible. Um, page 157, uh, we see examples of one jar of oil uh, and a little flour being multiplied to sustain three people during an entire famine. We see five loaves and two fish being multiplied to feed uh, thousands of people. Uh, we see uh, uh, one, a widow woman, all she had was a jar of oil. She was in huge debt. God multiplying that oil so that she could uh, sell it cancel the debt and have enough to, for her and her family to live, her children to live. Uh, we see God promising supernatural favor causing markets and nations to, o- markets and nations to open up and movement of wealth. Uh, we see, uh, you know, like I mentioned here, uh, coin coming in the mouth of fish and bringing about supernatural provision to pay off taxes. And, they just, uh, and we see Peter who worked all night. Uh, he didn't catch anything, but when Jesus appeared on the scene, he... he at an abnormal time, and a time that it's not supposed to really happen, he had such a huge catch of fish. So we see God doing amazing things. Amen? I believe God can do those things even in our day, our time. Let's go to chapter 12. We talk about strategic partnerships very quickly, and then we're going to take some time to pray before we close. In strategic partnerships, what we want to address is that whole area of organizations working with each other. And in today's world, that's normal. You you, you never really work all by yourself. You have to partner with people. You have vendors uh, providing you all kinds of services. You provide other organizations all kinds of services. And so we work with each other. Uh, But then there are some some partnerships that that go beyond just providing a service or receiving a service. There are partnerships that uh, that involve the transfer of knowledge, that involve... uh, building products together and, and, and other, uh, other things where uh, things can get very complicated and the chances of partnerships going wrong is very high. So what are principles that we could apply when it comes to business partnerships? I'll just run through these very quickly. Page 160. An, an ox and a donkey cannot plow together. Did you know that? Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 10. God tells his people, Don't plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. So now it's in their work context. They're doing work. Don't plow with the ox and a donkey together. How do you translate that to you and me today in our world? What does it mean? Now, ox and a donkey were both animals of labor. They both can provide some sort of a labor. But they are very incompatible. The ox is big, donkey is small. The ox is really strong, donkey not very strong. So when you yoke them together, you're putting two incompatible 
work animals together and trying to work. The load, of course, is going to be carried by the ox. The donkey may enjoy just a free ride. <laughs> and, and God is saying, don't do something like that. It's, it's not right. What do you, how do you translate that today in our world? Look for compatibility. Real, meaningful compatibility. Just beyond the fact that both are animals, uh, both can do the same kind of work. Look for compatibility in terms of values, in culture, in, 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 in business process, in, in commitment, in long-term goals. These things are very important if we are going to be able to work together. Secondly, know whom you are dealing with. Dig deeper to get all the facts. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Kisses are very nice, but if it's coming from an enemy... There's danger coming after that. So also in business partnerships, everything may look nice in the beginning, but you've got to dig deeper than that because what comes after that is really important. So get to know uh, uh, the organization that you're going to partner with. How do they work? Uh, Typically, you may want to do some pilot engagements together that are non-critical to see if there's real compatibility and, and, and then decide whether or not to work long term. Evaluate work approach before you decide to partner. It's not enough to agree that you're going to make profit. How are you going to do it? Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10 to 15. Uh, the Bible says, my son, if sinners come your way and they tell you, you know, let's have all one purse. Uh, let's just, you know, make a lot of profit. But the way they do it is going to be wrong. They're going to murder, steal and loot homes. Uh, if they're going to do it that way, then don't go with them. So it's not enough to say we agree to make profit. How you're going to do it is also important. You've got to have the same values, the same standards, the same approach to do that. Check alignment of culture and values in mergers and acquisitions. So if, you're, if two companies, two organizations are merging or you're acquiring another company, you have to check for the alignment of culture and values. Mark 3.24 says if a kingdom is divided... It will fall or a house that is divided, it will not stand. The Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 says, you know, it is, li- it is the little foxes that spoil the wine. It's the small things that you tend to overlook that actually rob you of the fruit. So sometimes while we look at the bigger picture, we look at, you know, uh, maybe compatibility in terms of technology or, uh, and those kinds of things, we forget little things like culture and, and values and, and commitment uh, that, that's a very, that are very important in, 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 in making sure that two organizations that come together can actually succeed. Agreement is important. Put everything in writing. Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? You've got to agree together. Come to a place of agreement on how you're going to work and more importantly, put everything in writing. You know, so much of business today, at least uh, uh, the way things are done here in India, is, is verbal. We say something and we say, you know, we expect people to trust us. Uh, even taking up a job, you go there, the boss says, okay, start tomorrow. Uh, there is no letter of employment. There is no documents being signed. And if you, it's very risky to just engage like that on verbal commitments because tomorrow they will say, I forgot I told you. Oh no, I actually meant this. So what must you do? Put everything in writing. Especially when you're dealing with Christians. Or Christian organizations. You know, two weeks ago, uh, we had, had an, a, a Christian organization approach us, church, wanting to work with us and wanting our help in something. Uh, we were fine with helping them, but... We said, we want to sign it on paper. We want a memorandum of understanding between you and us. And they are respected leaders. That's okay. We worked with them before. That's okay. But in this case, between you and me, I needed something signed. I need three people's signature on it. There's only five points. One just one paper. But it had to be signed. We will not start work until it's signed. Why? Because tomorrow they can change the things. They might say, no, I actually meant this. The Spirit was saying something. I was saying something. <laughs> you know, Christians can come up with some of the finest answers. So, better put it on writing, you know. So, we waited till we got it signed. Only then we could start with. 
And you have to have that, right? So come to a place of agreement, put everything in writing, then start your work together. Uh, build business partnerships steadily. Proverbs 25, verse 17. When you find a friend, don't outwear your welcome, showing up at all, at all hours, and he'll get fed up of you. So, meaning if you're, you're working on a partnership, on a relationship, you know, build it gradually. Don't sit in his house all the time, he'll chase you out. So build it gradually, grow steadily in that relationship. Last few thoughts here. Get all on board to work the partnership. Genesis 13, 1-7 has an interesting situation where Abraham and Lot, they were relatives. And uh, God called Abraham, Lot went along. And uh, you know Abraham said, okay, so they made this journey into a land of promise that God was going to give to Abraham. They were going together. Everything was fine. So at the top, Abraham and Lot were in, in agreement. But what was happening? The servants were fighting each other. And it reached a point that they could not continue journeying together. What's the point? It's not ha- enough to have agreement at the top. You need everybody else on board if you're going to work together. The entire team or the teams that are going to work together should be committed to making that partnership or that uh, merger, acquisition, that working together succeed. You need to get everybody on board. Communicate clearly. Uh, uh, help everybody understand how we're going to work together. Maybe educate them, equip them, get that to succeed. Now, when Abraham and Lot realized that they could not pa- continue part- making this journey together, Abraham did the wise thing. He let go when he had to. This is in Genesis 13, 8 and 9. Abraham comes to Lot and says, you know, we are relatives. We are, you know, we're family. But we just can't make this happen. So Lot, the best thing for you to do is you select the direction you want to go. And I'll go the opposite direction. We've got to go separate ways. And sometimes in, in, in partnerships that, ha- that, that may need to happen. When you realize things are only causing strife. Things are only causing problems. The outcomes are not being achieved. It's best to separate peacefully. Resolve disputes peacefully, if possible. Proverbs 25 verses 8 to 10 says, Don't go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another. Lest he he hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. So, as far as possible, when you have disputes, when there are disagreements, try to settle it peacefully and, and let things go. Uh, end it peacefully uh, so that you don't have to get into all kinds of legalities. Bring things to a close uh, in a peaceful manner. You all still awake? You learned something? All right, let's stand to our feet. This morning, we're going to take some time to pray and believe God for miracles. I just call our worship team up. Our God still works miracles. Amen. He works financial miracles. He is the supernatural. He's the God who supernaturally cancels debt. In those days, he multiplied a single jar of oil to cancel a widow woman's debt completely and to give her enough for her and her sons to live. Today, it may not be a jar of oil. It could be something else that God can take in your life, multiply it to bring you out of your financial situation and see you succeed. I've seen God do that personally in the business. I've seen God do amazing things. And I believe God can do those things today for you and for me. Amen. So we're going to pray together, believe God for those things. And, and, and secondly, also in the area of partnerships, maybe uh, in your business or things that you're working with, where maybe the partnerships are, are, are the relationships are not going right. I want to pray God's wisdom, pray God's blessing. And he will know Uh, He will show you what to do, how to manage it, how to handle it, so that you can move on peacefully, you can move on to be the success God wants you to be. So I want us, everyone, just to take some time to pray. Whatever is on your heart, why don't we pray? And and then I will come in and I'll just pray over for these two things. Take some time to pray, please, as, as the worship team just leads us. Take a few moments to pray.
want to take a moment right now to pray for financial miracles, for God to intervene in your situations financially, whether it's personal or organizational in the organization that you may be leading or managing. I just want you to believe God with me. Pray right now over that need, over that area of your life. If you are in a, in a situation like that, then I want you to pray. I'm just going to pray a gentle prayer, but I believe God will release miracles. I believe the God of the Bible is real. The God of the Bible is our Heavenly Father. The God of the Bible cares about our circumstances, our situations. He cares about what's there in the bank account. He cares about those financial needs. He is real. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, Father, I pray for people here who may be in financial difficulties. God, whether it's for themselves, for their own homes and families, or God, whether it's for their organization that they're working on leading or managing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the miracles that we see in the Bible will happen in their lives once again in Jesus' name. 
just as Jesus walked to Peter who had toiled all night but he had caught nothing Lord but at one word from Jesus when he launched out into the deep and through his net he caught an amazing catch of fish I release that supernatural work power of God that brings miracles that financial miracles that brings increase that brings multiplication that cancels debt I release those miracles of God in the name of Jesus receive it in Jesus name receive it Father God I pray that barrenness will be broken off of businesses and there will be growth there will be increase there will be multiplication in Jesus name and God, even as you said in your word that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous, I will pray that I pray that there will be that kind of a movement of wealth into the hands of the righteous in this place. This morning, as you're standing here, I just want you to pray a simple prayer and say, God, I received this for me. I receive it for my business, whatever that area of need is. You you prayed a simple prayer, say, God, I receive this. I'm expecting a miracle, God. The cancellation of my debt or to see increase or to see multiplication or to see a, a business opportunity open up or an area of business to open up or a, a market to open up. You pray. You say, God, I receive this. Father, we release miracles in this place. Holy Spirit, you do this, Lord. We want to take, take a moment right now to pray over partnerships, business dealings, people you're working with, that there may be conflict, there may be confusion, there may be distress. I just want you to believe God for a peaceful resolution. Pray, pray and believe God for wisdom to give you an idea how to sort the matter out. Father, even now in the name of Jesus, for the ones here, God, who may need your hand upon partnerships, business partnerships, or people that they're working with, where there is confusion, where there is disagreements, where there is, oh God, a lack of progress. Father, we pray your hand will come upon it, God, and that there will be, oh Lord, a solution to what is, is happening in those partnerships. The wisdom of God will flow, that you will give them ideas how to resolve things and move forward. We ask for your interventions, oh God. And we thank you for doing this. I just want you to pray. If you're in that situation, I just want you to pray in simple prayer and say, God, I receive this. I receive this, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. We thank you, Lord. We're going to get... We're getting ready to close. I just want every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. If there's any person here this morning, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. But you came here just to listen, to hear, to experience. And, and you feel something in your heart that says, I want to believe in Jesus Christ. The message of the Bible is very simple. The Bible says that we are all sinners. We are separated from God because of the wrong we've done. But God loves us so much. That he came into this world, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins on the cross. He was buried. He rose up again. And he's alive today. Our sins are taking us to hell. But Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Anyone who believes in him will be forgiven, the Bible says. The result of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God is giving you and me a free gift. It's eternal life, life with him, his kind of life. It comes to us through Jesus Christ. This morning, if you would like to believe in Jesus, to receive this eternal life, to receive this forgiveness of sins, 
I want to help you do that is to lead you in a simple prayer. And you could pray with me right now. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my life. Give me eternal life. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's get ready to close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great Sunday and see you again. Thank you. We are currently doing a series on timeless principles for the workplace and we have a brand new publication with the same name. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.